I read a poem one time that said, it's tough on a dog when his boy grows up. It's tough on a dog when his boy grows up. That was just the title of the poem. The rest of the poem was just a tearjerker. But it really walked through the process of a little boy growing up and how the dog, you know, would cuddle in his lap as a puppy. And, you know, they would always play together and fetch together and et cetera, et cetera. But if you remember the song, The Cat's in the Cradle, you know, as, as age moves on, as our children grow up, dads learn a really hard leadership lesson. And that is the massive difference between stewardship and ownership. There's a really good notion in the minds of many that our children are our property, our responsibility, because we're responsible for them until they turn 18. Legally, we can be charged with anything that they do wrong until a certain age of maturity occurs in their life. And that leaves us with the sense sometimes as dads of, well, I've, I've got to take ownership. I've got, to, I've got to be responsible for everything that happens, which also then makes us feel sometimes like we have some right that we don't really have. And that's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, and I can tell you it's a it's a strange transition as your kids grow up. It's it's one thing to you know ask for help with mowing the yard when they're old enough to push the mower, 10, 12 years old, or to help with the dishes, or to help with the laundry, or to to help around the house. In fact, I believe uh, it is a vital importance for dads and moms to be engaged in the raising of their children by asking them to participate in chores. If they don't have a responsibility in the house to clean up after themselves, to do the dishes, to put things away, to throw trash away the minute they're done with it, to not leave a mess behind, then as they become adults, that, that behavior doesn't become natural for them which then becomes a disaster as they grow up as young adults and get into relationships and then have to share a house with someone else or with roommates or go off to a college dorm or heaven forbid basic training where they're expected to have that bed perfect and no mess and not even not even toothpaste inside the lid when you screw the lid back onto your toothpaste. Yeah, that will cost you push-ups. But those little tiny details begin early on when Mom and dad, make sure that you brush your teeth before you go to bed, that you take a bath on a regular basis, that you they clean up after yourself. And, and if you don't do those things as a mom, as a dad, as a, a responsible adult, to teach those responsibilities into your child, then you have an entirely different kind of adult. But one of the challenges that goes along with that, if you're not a diligent dad, is that you get into this rut of thinking, well, I have two children or 10 children. In fact, there are certain cultures around the world where families intentionally have large numbers of children. And they're all, for lack of a better term, indoctrinated in or raised up in the family business. And they're expected as part of their culture, both family culture and their culture at large, that those children then will become a part of the same business or industry. In fact, many times take over the business for mom and dad. In fact, one of the challenges for a lot of those family cultures that then move to the U.S. is that the, the opportunity to have a different kind of business than your parents to, well, my mom's a doctor, but I really want to be a lawyer. That seems like a norm. I mean, they're both highly educated jobs, right? But 
in some cultures that stepping away from exactly what mom and dad do that that's that's not acceptable you need to follow in the tracks you have to have the same kind of career the same kind of job that mom and dad do you have to you have to do what they do but that expectation that they will take over the workload they will get the things done that that need to be done kind of becomes a a rut if you're not careful you know as my children i for lack of a better term are aging out of the house they're young adults now the third of four is now married the relationship between us is i i think as strong as it's ever been but the expectations of hey you know i used to not have to mow the yard i would say hey it's time for the yard to be mowed and one of those two boys would you know jump up and you know, they might fight over who's going to do it but one of the two of them would go get the yard mowed and eventually we would get it all weeded and picked up and and all of that was just a you know par for the course and kind of to be expected both of them investing in the chores and me expecting that of them I, I remember a day way back when, in fact, it was a habit of ours to kind of race AAA. We would be driving down the highway, see a car on the side of the road with a flat tire. We would pull over and like a pit crew, the boys would jump out. They would have the four-way. They would have the jack. They would have the tire off the car. By the time I'm explaining to the driver, hey, we'll have you back on the road before AAA will even answer the phone and tell you they're on the way. So, I mean, it's totally up to if you want to keep calling them, keep calling them, but we're going to drive away after your tire is fixed, and, and I'll bet you're still on the phone trying to get AAA to answer. <laughs> Just a thing. We did this for years and years and years. Our, recently, my son was late to an event that we were doing together. It wasn't anything that was going to cost us, but when he finally showed up, I'm like, where have you been? He said there was a girl in the parking lot of the parts store that couldn't get her car to start, and she was having this problem and this problem, and I'm like, okay, did you know her? He's like, no. But I wasn't going to leave her stranded, so I stayed and helped her until her car was fixed. Okay, that's an expectation I trained into them. For me to expect then that they were going to abandon somebody in the way that I had trained them to do what I wanted them to do. See where I'm going? That, that's a bit of a challenge, right? To, to break the habits that I intentionally trained into them, just because in this moment that habit is inconvenient to me, but that's a problem. See, leaders have this same little tick in their head that if you're my employee, you'll do anything I need you to. If you're on my team, whatever I need done is the most important. Whatever whatever the organization needs done, that's most important. The, the nature of my business, that, that should be your first priority. Like parents whose culture says, if I own a donut shop or I own a chain of hotels or I own a, a restaurant, that... As my children grow up, maybe they'll become chefs or maybe they'll become general managers or maybe they'll become, you know, donut shop owners and have 50 donut shops and then start doing the deliveries. Yay, right? And keep the business going and keep the money coming in. So in my old age, I can retire and put my feet up. That same mentality tends to creep in to team leaders, organizational leaders, managers, especially if they own a company, whether it's 10 people or 10,000 people, they kind of get the tick that, you know, well, I own the place. That means every objective that I have, part of your role is to fulfill it. Every need that I have, every expectation that I have, because you're here and you're part of that, well, you'll get it done. 
Well, yesterday I was working on a project that I've been working on for several months. And sadly, it's one of those projects that not only takes a lot of funds, but it takes a lot of time and energy and effort to invest into it. And the process along the way has kind of stalled out just because as we're getting close to the finish of this project, some of the work that has to be done is really intense. I mean, it, it takes concentration with no distractions, with no interruptions, and usually about 12 hands all at one time to get it done. And so I, in the past, would have just said, hey, we're working on this, and my two boys would have showed up, and we would have got the project done, and, and we'd been on. Well, now I'm about four or five months that I've been at the 85 to 90% completion rate of this project. We have most of the pieces and parts to put it all together, but no one person can do all the work themselves. It takes a whole lot of people, and I really don't have the resources to pay somebody else to do all the labor. So I need some young strapping boys to do that, but... I have one now who works 40 or 50 hours a week at his job, and I wear him out on weekends doing our family business as a DJ, and the other one who has his own job, and in April got married, and now he has a wife and a child, and so that, that kind of changes the dynamic. I literally took him and his wife to lunch yesterday and said, hey, can I steal your husband for the rest of the day, like till dark, because we got a lot of work to do. I showed her the list of all the things that we need to get done, I'm like... I need not just his attention, I need his help. I, I need his physicality, I need some of his tools, I need, I need his presence. And she said, sure, you, you guys can work on that till dark. Well, about one o'clock in the morning we got in bed. I mean, it was, it was a lot of work, it was a long project. That's not an easy thing to ask of a, a young family is, hey, can I take your husband slash father away for 10 or 12 hours? Because we started right after lunch and we worked diligently until we got to a stopping point at around midnight. I'm sure the neighbors loved us too because there were things that we had to finish up right at the end with a skill saw at around 11 o'clock in the neighborhood and sorry. When leaders have this expectation that because you're part of my team, whatever I need, you'll do. Because you're on my payroll, because you're part of my family, uh, I kind of own your time. I own your attention. You'll, you'll, you'll do what I need you to do well, because I need you to do it. And I think there's some missed expectations there. I also think there's some, some errant belief there. And I remember listening to a guy uh, by the name of Tim Ross deliver a message, and this has been several years ago, probably seven or eight years ago. He said, you know, stewarding somebody else's vision is a complicated thing. And I thought, well, I guess it is. I mean, it's a test, not only of loyalty and compatibility and compassion and willingness and servanthood, but it's a test of how well did you sell that vision and how, how unified am I with that vision? And sometimes that familial bond comes with the assumption that well, you're my child. What's important to me should be important to you. Well, you're on my team. You're my employee. What's important to me should be important to you. I'm just going to tell you it is important to you. Trust me. And that's not always the case. Oh, we forget as our children grow up that we often need to not only learn to apologize, but to ask for permission. Could I, could I get your help to do this? Would you mind being a part of this? Would you invest your time, your talent, your skills in this? And also be willing to admit there's going to be a time when it's perfectly reasonable for them to say no. Now, I know when my wife and I first met, 
Um, her mother had driven from Texarkana to Flint, Texas to deliver a lawnmower because she didn't own one. The duplex she lived in, they didn't, they didn't maintain the yard. My wife and I, at the time, had only known each other a couple of weeks. And when her mother showed up with a little lawnmower in the back, the two of them couldn't even get it out of there. But she called me and said, hey, can you help, help us get this lawnmower out? Then they realized the lawnmower wasn't going to cut it because the grass is already past the knee deep. It was going to take some effort to get it done. So I did. <coughs> Maybe after all, that's why she chose me. But it wasn't my yard. It wasn't my responsibility. We weren't seeing each other at the time. It was just two people that knew each other from church. And But I invested in someone else. I did the work that it wasn't my vision. I couldn't care less if that yard got mowed or not, except I saw somebody in need that I was capable of helping. And so I did. And here's a really hard lesson that we need to learn as dads. It's a leadership principle. Stewardship is not ownership. And if you'll learn early on that what you're expected to do with your children is to steward them, meaning you take care of them, you provide them with vision, with direction, with the tools necessary for them to gain wealth, the abilities for them to get through life peacefully and to coexist with others in harmony, those are all your responsibilities. And in exchange, sometimes you get to use their labor, you get to use their energy, you get to use their wisdom, believe it or not, yes, their wisdom. I know if you're questioning that, let me throw it out like this. You ever ask your teenage son or daughter to help you with an app on your phone or figure out why it won't print to the printer in the back of the office or, or just download some music? If you've never asked that, I think you may be lying to yourself. But if you have asked that, can you make this thing work? How did you get it to do that? Then you know that they have some wisdom sometimes. They're growing up in a different age than most of us did. So stewardship is about that. Stewardship is also about those employees or those team members that you get to take advantage of their resources, their education, their relationship skills, their, their talents, and their knowledge that, that you don't possess. That's why you hired them, because you can't do it all yourself. But understand that even that comes with permission. That comes with a give and take. It's not just you provide a paycheck. You provide an opportunity. You provide relationship. You provide insights to them as well. And when you realize this is a give and a take and it requires permission, it's not ownership. You're responsible to them more than you're responsible for them. You're responsible to them more than you're responsible for them. When you can understand that as a dad and as a leader, you will pour a whole lot more investment into them for that reciprocal investment back to you. You'll also realize there's going to be a time when you're going to ask and the answer is going to be no. And demanding it at that point is not helpful to your relationship and it's not helpful to your expectations. Maybe even a time, I've reached that point in some places, where in order to get the help of either one of my boys, I have to be willing to put out some cash. Now, in their in their life, in the past, it's been, hey, you get paid in the fact that you have a house. <laughs> you don't buy groceries. They come from my house. All that comes from my pocket. So no, I'm not writing you a check. I didn't believe in allowances when they were growing up either. If man wants to eat, let him work. Pitch in, be a part of this. Clean up after yourself. Mow the lawn. Take care of the cars with me. Those are things we do together because they're bonding moments, but it's also your contribution to the society of our household. 
now that they have their own households and they have their own lives and they are building their own families, for me to obligate their time sometimes comes with uh, a thank you and sometimes comes with, hey, I've got a little extra cash. Let me let me slip you some cash as a thank you for the time you've contributed. And that is not unreasonable. That should be an expectation. As our children grow up, dads need to realize that that dynamic is changing a little bit. Don't let the the hardest time on a dog is when his kid grows up or it's tough on a, a dog when his boy grows up. Don't let that become the cat's in the cradle of your own life where you've traded roles and they're no longer available and they're no longer accessible because you've burned the bridges and worn out your relationship. It's easy to do. Don't let that happen to you. Understand that as they're growing up, whether they're two or 12 or 22, you're a steward, not an owner. You can't demand of them everything. At some point, it becomes a negotiation. Treat them with the respect that they're due and steward your relationship with them rather than trying to own them. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day.